Hi, this is Keisha, and this is the Face to Face podcast. So I got a little something that was put on my heart to share with you, and I thought it was a good, uh, good place to begin laying a foundation for uh, what this podcast is all about. Uh, this podcast, to me, uh, is about relationship, face-to-face with God, and then face-to-face with one another. So, I'm titling this podcast, The Diagnosis and Prognosis. I am a nurse, and so this is the way that God will sometimes talk to me, is in regards to the things that I can apply to my own life. And uh, so what he had given me to speak about, um, it had to do with what I had learned as a student nurse, was that you were going to gather uh, your physical evidence in order to be able to make a proper diagnosis. And this was in order to be able to treat a patient for the ailment that they were dealing with. You first have to be able to put the symptoms together and come up with a proper diagnosis. Uh, Things like blood work, x-rays, vital signs. Knowing that every symptom that you're seeing is pointing to a deeper problem. So if you take that and transfer it uh, to the spiritual, um, you can also recognize that the the things that are going on in our own personal lives, the symptoms, so to speak, that we're displaying, um, things like depression, anxiety, uh, anger, division, hopelessness. These things are all symptoms of the deeper aspect of what is going on in our soul. And if our soul is broken and wounded, then we can not necessarily take, I think one of the the greatest deceptions is that we just treat anxiety and that we just treat depression and that we just try to rehabilitate the thief or the adulterer, um, but to actually go deeper and realize that there is a spiritual issue at hand. And um, so that leads me to what the, the Word of God would have to say about that. And in Ephesians 2, in ESV translation, um, it says in verse 1, And you were dead in the trespasses of 
trespasses and sin in which you once walked. So the Bible tells us that before we had a relationship with Jesus, before we believed upon him, we were dead in the trespasses and sin, sins in which we once walked. And so, of course, the prognosis of being dead is kind of bleak. Um, you know, as a nurse, you check somebody's pulse and listen for a heartbeat and there's nothing there. That's, that's about as bad as it gets, right? And I believe that that's what Paul is starting out with when he's leading up to where he's going in this particular chapter in Ephesians. So he's, he's telling us that we were dead in the trespasses and sins in which we once, once walked. But he doesn't leave us hopeless. He doesn't leave us without an answer. Because just like in the natural, when there is a diagnosis and when the prognosis is announced, there's typically, most of the time, I can't say all of the time because there, there are times uh, when unfortunately in the physical we don't, we don't get a treatment plan. Um, but in this case... I'm going to go toward the side of that the diagnosis and the prognosis were good because there was a cure, you know, that, that, um, when somebody is diagnosed with cancer, typically, you know, you go through chemotherapy and radiation. Um, my husband has had health issues and he has had to go through some pretty rigorous, um, medical treatments and, but just imagine, just imagine for a moment, if someone were to come up to you, you had been given a diagnosis of cancer and they were to come up to you and say, listen, I have the cure. And you can be 100% healed if you take this cure. Well, I believe that that's where Paul was going in Ephesians with this when he started out saying, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. He was leading up to in verse four, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What an amazing gift we have been given. We we're given the prognosis of being dead in the trespasses and sins in which we once walked. And we were given 
this incredible cure, which is Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Because of the great love with which he loved us, he was willing to give us grace. We were made alive together with Christ. Grace is the healing elixir. And that is just, oh, the more, the more that I immerse myself in what grace really means. And he goes on to say, um, I'm in verse seven, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So that is just an incredible statement. That was a, that was an incredible statement that rocked the, it rocked the church 500 years ago when Martin Luther nailed the 99 thesis to the cathedral door. It rocked and revolutionized the religious institution. And I really feel in the depth of my heart that we need to grab hold of grace for all that it's worth. We need to grab a hold of grace as the cure for the deadness in our heart, for the for the thing, you know, those the things that that keep us awake at night, worrying and wondering about tomorrow. We need to apply grace to the anger, to the unforgiveness, to the anxiety, to the depression, to the hopelessness in our lives. We need to apply grace. And for those who are having difficulty grabbing hold of grace, we need to remind them. We need to remind them constantly of what grace really is. Hence the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Oh, if we could just take hold of what it means that God is rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, it wasn't that we had to get our life together. And, and I, I really feel like somebody needs to hear this. It's not that you have to get your life together. You do not need to be whole. You do not need to be sinless. You do not need to be holy in order to receive grace. There is nothing that you can do to add to what Christ has done for you. And there's nothing you can do to take away from it. It is not a result of works 
but for good works. And, you know, it's not the good works that you can, that you do that gains you grace, but it's once do you realize, once you are in that face-to-face encounter with the living God because of what Christ has done for you, and he has torn the veil and he has made God available to you, that then you respond. It's a response. We're given grace and grace, when it truly touches our soul, we respond to it. And it is just that recognition of Jesus, the incarnation, God in the flesh who dwelt among us and that he is love and love is the greatest power in the universe. Love is what heals us. Love is what redeems us. Not what we do. I don't care what your past looks like. I don't even care what you're doing right now. You turn to Christ and gaze upon his face and truly seek him out with all your heart. And I promise you, your life will be changed. No half-hearted attempts. Don't, don't say, oh, well, you know, I did go to church a couple of times or I did try sitting down and read my Bible. No, turn and gaze upon his face because his presence, his manifest presence is always with us. And if you believe, if you truly believe, as it says in Romans 10, starting in verse 8, it says, If you confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you are saved. By grace, you have been saved. By grace, not by any works so that any man could boast, but Jesus gets all the glory and all the honor. He is the one who gave his perfect and precious life for us on the cross, not so that we would have to measure up in order to receive what he has done, but so that we can receive it and respond to what he has done. And there are so many people that live under the condemnation of religious indoctrination. They live under that condemnation of thinking that they must first clean up their act, that they must be good enough. It was a gift. And all you have to do with a gift is receive it. And I implore you to reach out and take hold of that gift. Jesus loves you. He loves you so much that he laid down his life for you. He looked upon your face before the foundations of the earth. It says that Christ was crucified before the foundations of the earth. And he looked upon your face and he said, you're worth it. You are worth it. He paid 
a high price because you were worth it. He paid the ransom because you were worth it. Something has worth according to the worth that we assign to it. You know, it's if you're going to put something up for sale, you assign a price to it based on what you consider the value to be. Well, Jesus said, you are worth my death, a sinner's death. You're worth that to me. He is the precious son of God. And he put your, he put your value and your worth above his own. And, um, you know, it, it reminds me of, oh, the scripture in Romans 8. I believe it is 30, 31. It starts in Romans, Romans 8, 31. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Let's meditate on that for just a second. If God is for us, who can be against us? He is for you. He is for you. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, all means all, he gave up his son for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Wow. It's just, it's mind-blowing to think that God thought I was worth giving up his son but then this says that he will also how will he not also with him graciously give us all things so all the things that that we need everything that can gratify and satisfy the deepest desires that Jesus is the epitome of that and that is just mind-blowing to me. Jesus is the epitome of all things. But the, the deepest desire of my heart is met in him. And, and this is what I, I so long to see us all grow into over time. That we would understand what it means to just simply enjoy Jesus. To just enjoy his company. To enjoy the, the gift that he has given us of new life. Hey, what a, what a gift. This 
This isn't just a free pass. This isn't just a ticket, free ticket into heaven, guys. This is right here, right now, moment by moment, enjoyment of life. It says in Psalm 1611, you have made known to me, Lord, you have made known to me the path of life. In your presence is the fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. What a statement. That if we, knowing, knowing that Jesus announced himself as the way and the truth and the life. And that he is the only way to the Father. Knowing that he announced that and then to back it up on that, on that statement in Psalm 1611 where it says, Lord, you've made known to me the path of life. The path of life is to engage with Jesus. As Lord, as friend, to engage with him. To take time to know him. Not just in going through the motions of checking off your list of things to do for the day. But just as a sick person who was dehydrated would go to the hospital and get an IV to get an infusion of fluids into their body, Jesus, who is the living water, you need to engage with him and get that infusion of living water into your spirit and rejuvenate, rejuvenate the soul that has been broken and wounded by the things of this life and the things of this world. It is only through relationship with him that our deepest desires and needs are met. There is nothing else that will satisfy. No material things. No physical relationships. It doesn't matter what kind of parents you had. What kind of marriage you have. It doesn't matter your past or your present. Nothing will satisfy you but Jesus. And he's there. He's there with you. And all you have to do is turn your internal gaze upon him in stillness. Be still and know that he is God. Set your eyes upon him and feel his presence. Invite the Holy Spirit into that space that you create for stillness. Invite the Holy Spirit to give you that infusion. Connect with him. 
Jesus says in John 15, Abide in me and bear much fruit. The infusion of life is his love. And this is what we become. This is who we are. And when when he is what we infuse our life with, we become like him. And that is our quest. That is what we live for, is to become more like him. That is the whole, that is the epitome of the Christian walk, is that we will become more Christ-like. And the only way that we're going to do it is by recognizing the symptoms of our life Recognizing our own deadness. And that our prognosis without him is to go on feeling empty and alone and lost. Because nothing else is ever satisfied. If we truly will look within our hearts, we'll see it. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I speak life over you. I speak awakening over you, and I pray that you would receive, that you would open your hands and just simply receive what Jesus desires to give you. Talk to him. Talk to him and allow him to have that conversation with you. He is always speaking to us. And if we are willing to get still and listen, He will give us the answers that we need. Maybe not always the answers that we want, but he will give us the answers that we need. Next time, on the next episode, I am going to talk about foundations and how when the wrong foundation is laid in any circumstance, there's going to be cracks in the walls. Um, So we're going to talk about Jesus as the cornerstone and uh, the truth about who he is and what he is. So just remember, it's Jesus plus nothing. Jesus is the answer and your relationship with him and the grace that God poured out by giving his son for us and that we, we have been raised with him and we are victorious with him and all we have to do is receive the gift. So I really look forward to next time and 
I truly hope that you were blessed by this message that I shared. I love you all, and God bless.